Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 289, which is recorded live at South Start, Anna Eltachi, the Chief Technical Officer at Nourish Ingredients, explains how she's part of a team working to find smarter, more sustainable ways to help feed the demand of the world's population in years to come. To create a real shift in our food system by 2050, creating good tasting alternative proteins is absolutely critical. A problem that Anna is passionate about solving. This is Anna's version of Be The Drop. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. Anna, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop, which we're recording live here at the Wine Centre at South Star. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. Oh, good. Well, and I, it was really funny because I was reading your bio and it said you have 15 years in lipid science. And so I just had to ask you, I said, ah, what's lipid science? So this is going to be a real learning experience for me and the listeners, I'm sure. And you said it's something like biochemistry, but perhaps maybe you could explain a little bit about your journey, your experience, and what is lipid science? Yeah, sure. Look, um, yeah, it may, it may look like really a weird word for people who are not in the science, but what we have uh, done in the last 15 years is trying to produce oil in different organisms. Our first journey was to um, replace fuel. Uh, so we went and engineered plants for new sources of oil. And uh, so I worked with a team who engineered omega-3 into canola, uh, so to recreate that fish oil. Um, And then when the opportunity came through that we have realized that the plant-based industry is still lacking a taste um, that's not really bringing a lot of customers in, uh, and that taste came actually from the missing fat ingredient into it. And because we are lipid uh, scientists, we know how to make new, new lip types of lipids uh, and recreate yields, but also tailor composition. For example, if you think olive oil, how is that different to sunflower oil, to safflower, to um, yeah, any kind of oil seed? This is what we used to do. We used to do, uh, look at the lipid profile and increase the yield as, as a ma- maximum uh, capacity that we could reach. So we understand what's missing in the plant-based industry in terms of fat, and um, we can solve the problem. So that um, journey started at CSIRO, where I actually spent over a decade uh, being a research scientist looking at these different fats, uh, and then moved over to Nourish Ingredients because it was founded due to that lack of um, taste in the industry. Yeah. Mm. And now you're looking forward, you're looking at you know, the future planet in 2050 yeah. and, and bringing this research and knowledge and, and experience and looking at moving forward and how we might change. So first of all, why, why are you looking for 2050 and what are, you know, what are the main instigators or reasons you see that we need to be looking at change? Yeah. 
There's a pressing issue that we need to di diversify our foods, yeah. There's a growing population, and we can't just rely on the traditional ways and the traditional foods, uh, and some of them are unsustainable. Um, so to meet that demand, we have to go and look at new sources and new alternatives. We're not trying to replace the existing uh, and traditional food, but we want to have that gap uh, and additional demand covered through other sources. Uh, so what we're doing is uh, using precision fermentation, where it's the same process as you do for beer and wine. We're sitting in the wine uh, cent yeah, center in here. It's the same, like getting a strain that can accumulate a lot of fat, brewing it at a high yield, extracting that fat out, and using it into the food yeah, to make it taste better and, uh, yeah, and, and meet that uh, consumer um, palette kind of satisfaction. And for you, there was a personal element as well with your baby who had a reaction to the fats in formula. Yeah. So you've also brought that in. Tell us about that. So what happened there and how did that shape your journey? Yeah, I look, I'm always excited to tell that because when you have a passion, um, you can do anything. You can solve a big problem. Uh, so it happened when... Um, I was still at CSIRO and I had a six-month-old baby. Uh, and when I was trying to introduce the formula, we had been called uh, to take her into the emergency because of an allergic reaction. When uh, then she was diagnosed with having cow's protein allergy and she couldn't have any source of formula. Uh, so I had to breastfeed her for over two years and take her with me anywhere because yeah, I didn't, couldn't express for over a month, for example, if I were on a trip. Um, so at that time, I met James Petrie, one of the co-founders of the food tech startup that I'm uh, working for now. And he said, so why don't we look at other sources of fat? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, well, I think I need that, yeah, because my daughter cannot have the animal milk. So I went and looked how we could do that uh, from a research perspective, and I've proposed that with James. Um, uh, and then, yeah, we, so for CSIRO, it was a big opportunity. So it was more strategic to go and establish a startup and drive that research into a business. And that's what James has done with the other co-founder, Ben Lita, who was also from the same team. Um, and I've led their project at Cairo, where we've established the IP and founded the whole research, and then moved and took over the CTO role. Um, just because I was pregnant, pregnant with the second baby. And now I'm really glad that we have a first product that had transformed some of the plant-based industry products that are on the shelf. Our product is not there because we're B2B and we want to give that fat to any plant-based industry to have that transformation in any of their products. Uh, so yeah, it starts from a personal journey and, um, and I don't think I work. I just want to solve that problem for my kids first before anyone. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I like, I like that comment. So it's, it's almost not like working. Yeah. It's like you're really passionate about solving this problem. So then, you know, as a solution, will that, the, the proteins that you've developed, will they then go into producing formula that doesn't have the cow protein? So therefore someone with that allergy could use that formula? Yes. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. The idea is like we're collaborating and always looking for that protein, um, industry, yeah, so we have, because we supply the fats and we want that protein from other sources as well to complement each other into a product. It could be the dairy and the meat. Um, and what we've done is that we, we are focusing on three different products. 
the flavor for the meat, the fats for the dairy, uh, and a hard fat that could go in any unsustainable product to su supplement kind of the existing vegetable oils. Um, it can, uh, and I hope we can get there anytime soon, uh, because I'm, uh, when I was at the GP and trying to diagnose my daughter, he said that in the last decade, um, he used to see one client a month, now he's seeing two a w twice a week. So that allergy is a big issue, uh, and it's really developing <laughs> even further. Um, and I had the choice even to go to the chemist to have a prescribed formula for my children or to breastfeed them, because there's currently no alternative source, and I really want to drive that into, mm. um, into a big solution. Yeah. It's interesting. What is the reason? Why are these allergies? And I see it, you know, within my friends and their children. There, I know that there's more of the kids coming through and at school with my own children. There's allergies. What's happening there? Yeah, I I, I don't know if the science has solved that problem yet. Uh, when I've asked the GP, he couldn't even tell us. But it's probably coming from the diversity of the foods and uh, how that food is changing and the environment that we are exposed to and yeah everything that we are exposed to um, mm. yeah and so then for you you know looking at this the future planet in 2050 what does it look like so you know instead of necessarily getting cow's milk or meat or so you know we, we've creating man-made food is that what it is <laughs> yeah but it's also going back to the traditional species and microbes so what we know is that the animal milk uh, and the characteristics that this milk has or the the meat the tissue uh, of the meat is not necessary the fat in it is not necessarily made by the cow itself the humans um, have that flora and the gut that recreate these essential oils, let's call them, and all that the cow does, taking these through the bloodstream and adding them into the milk during the lactation phase or storing them in the adipose tissue during the yeah, feed. Uh, so what we're doing is just taking those pieces, putting them in a bioreactor, skipping the animals and just recreating them in a more sustainable way. How I look at 2050 is like there's a huge growing population that we have to feed. The prices keep increasing. Um, we have to get a way of creating more sustainable sources that anyone can access, whether they're poor or rich, whether they're in a third country or in a most developed country. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it really is around the accessibility and the quantity. Yeah. You know. So do you think like 2050 seems like a long way away? but then also time and this change, it does seem to progress rapidly. So are there some key steps that you think need to happen between now and then? What are gonna be some of the barriers to really scaling this yeah. production? I was just coming from the ecosystems um, panel discussion that was just happening. We have to have the ecosystem to facilitate that. Like the technology is there, we're actively working to optimize it and improve it and scale it up, but the ecosystem is currently not established to meet the demand currently. So we've got a few years there to improve. We have to build the facilities that can um, meet that scale. And currently, for example, in Australia, if, if you wanna go and do any GM work to exactly mimic what's there, uh, 
at a big scale, you need a facility that can host that GM strain. Um, and currently there's none in Australia that is GM, a PC2 let's call it, which is a biosecurity uh, word and term, um, and also food grade. Yep. Because you need to be able to extract those biomasses and uh, feed them to the humans. Mm. So we don't have a facility currently in no. all of Australia? We have research facilities, but no, none of them is uh, having the combined GM plus food grade uh, mm. for criteria production. for production. Yeah. yeah. So some steps and work to be done in that yeah. ecosystem. What are you most excited about with these changes? I, I'm always excited to see a product out of research, yeah. If, uh, and that was my pain <laughs> throughout my whole science career is that if I wanted to study something, I want to see a product out of it and I want to make that real. Um, and that's what ex excites me every day. Like every, we have great ideas coming through the team. We, are, we have now 30, we're a company of 35 employees, uh, mostly R&D. And all the ideas that come through every day are really exciting uh, and yeah, I just want to see that product at the end and that product has to make a big difference and change something in the world, yeah. Mm. And that's an amazing thing to be part of, you know, understanding, identifying problems and then being part of this team that's working to create a solution. Yeah, yep. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much. I look forward to seeing the product too. Yeah, yeah. It won't be as long. Yeah, maybe keep your eye out uh, for the next six months or a year. Oh, wow. Soon. Good. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.